institutions have seen a need to invest in existing churches that have plateaued or declined. And this is called church revitalization. To revitalize is to inject something with new life and vitality. It means to refresh, invigorate, renew, or revive here. Not only are there some churches that need to be revitalized as a whole there, I believe that our lives need to be revitalized in our relationship with Jesus Christ here. Sometimes we, we grow cold and indifferent. We become apathetic. We sort of say, well, it's the same old thing. And yet, we know the Christian life as we walk closely with Jesus is the exciting life. It's an exciting life. There are things that can happen every day as God uses us in ministry and as we renew our relationship with Him. I believe that obviously that is what we are to do. And the book of Haggai chronicles the fact that it was past time for the temple of the Lord to be rebuilt. And we studied last, last week, talked about the fact that God had uh, obviously released them from bondage there in Babylon and said, go back to Jerusalem, rebuild the temple. But what did they do? They took and wound up building their own homes. They forgot about rebuilding the temple of, of the Lord. And God was not pleased with them. And I believe that there is a time right here where we are that we are obviously coming back. It is time to rebuild the house of the Lord. I'm not talking necessarily rebuilding the structure here in this church, but the body of Christ is the church of God, the body of Christ as we gather here. Yes, we're in this building, but somehow even in uh, knowing that our bodies are temples of the Holy Spirit, that we need revitalization. And God was not pleased with the inactivity of his people here. And we see there were severe consequences. They were rebuked sternly by the Lord and God called them to consider their ways. Think about what you're doing. He also informs them that if they would obey his word, then he would be pleased with them. I want to tell you, I'm excited to report that the people during this time obeyed the Lord. They listened to God. They considered their, their ways and they listened they began to do the work that they had neglected for so long. They started to rebuild the abandoned temple. And God's people went from saying, now, now is not the time, to saying, now is the time. Now, we'll show here today the parallelism there between what happened then and what's happening today. Because again, I believe we're on the edge of revival. And I'm going to share with you some thoughts about that. And actually, Kendra just said something that sparked what we're hearing and what we're seeing and what I'm hearing and talking to different people and what God is doing in the earth today, the wonderful blessings of it is time. If you'll look in verse 6 through 15 of Haggai, about three books back from, if you'll turn to Matthew, turn back, I think, three books there. And look at verse 6 of Haggai chapter 1. The Lord says, You've planted much but harvested little. You eat, but never have enough to be satisfied. You drink, but never have enough to become drunk. You put on clothes, but never have enough to get warm. The wage earner puts his wages into a bag with a hole in it. And the Lord of hosts says this, Think carefully about your ways. Go up into the hills, bring down lumber, and build the house. Then I will be pleased with it and be glorified, says the Lord. You expected much, but then it amounted to little. And when you brought the harvest to your house, I ruined it. Why? This is the declaration of the Lord of hosts. Because my house still lies in ruins. 
while each of you is busy with his own house. So on your account, the skies have withdrew the dew and the land its crops. I have summoned a drought on the fields and the hills, on the grain, new wine, olive oil, and whatever the ground yields, on man and beast, and on all that your hands produce. And then Zerubbabel, son of Sheathiel, the high priest Joshua, of son of Jehozadak, and the entire remnant of the people obey, obeyed the voice of the Lord their God and the words of the prophet Haggai, because the Lord their God had sent them him. So the people fa- feared the Lord. Haggai, the Lord's messenger, delivered the, the Lord's message to the people. I am with you. This is the Lord's declaration. And so the Lord stirred up the spirit of Zerubbabel, son of Sheathiel, governor of Judah, the spirit of the high priest Joshua, son of Jehozadak, and the spirit of all the remnant of the people. And they began to work on the house of the Yahweh of hosts, or the Lord of hosts, their God. And on the 24th day of the sixth month in the second year of King Darius, they began the work. They heard the word of the prophet, and they moved out. I believe prophets are speaking today. I believe people are hearing people speak today. Not the Old Testament prophets, but people that hear what God is saying. I believe that we are obviously, we have people like there in Isaiah 61 maybe, watchmen on the wall that are seeing the things that God is doing today. And he's given us a wake-up call to say, come back. And revitalize your relationship with Jesus Christ. Come back and rebuild the house of the Lord. There's nothing I would like more for our assembly here than for revival to break out. Habakkuk said, Oh Lord, revive thy work. I want to tell you, God desires to revive us and the work in his people today. He called on Israel to rebuild the temple. He's calling us to rebuild some things as well. God would have his people to come to the realization that now is the time. We see our world in turmoil. We see hatred across the races like we've never seen before. Obviously, we've seen it there in the 60s and at other times, certainly. But that seems to be rekindling today. And God has called us to love one another. God has called us to tear down the wall that we know are dividing us, not only in the churches, but also across cultural and economic realms and and the whole spectrum. He's calling us as the church to be a light in the darkness. And He's calling us to revitalize that relationship with Jesus Christ. You know, obviously, they say for alcoholics and addicts, the first step towards recovery is to admit that there's a problem. And likewise, in order for a Christian to overcome the apathy that consumes their life, they have to realize that there is a problem. And then what is the next step? The next step is to do something about it. If we're sitting here today and just saying, well, there isn't any problem, you must be talking to my neighbor over here, then obviously we know there's an issue there, more than likely. You know what happens when sometimes I hear a preacher speaking? The first thing I think of, it's, this is about everybody else. But if I'll stop for a moment and listen, and God puts his finger right on my heart and says, no, this is about you. And I'll go, Lord, I got a problem. The first step is saying we need Jesus. Amen. Amen. The first step in this nation is to repent and turn back to the Lord. 
The first step is, if my people are called by my name, he's talking to you and I, will humble ourselves and pray and turn from their wicked ways, seek his face. What does he say? He'll hear from heaven, won't he? But you've got to recognize that we've got a problem. You've got to recognize today that there are issues in this country. There are issues today in the body of Christ that we need to repent of. Because I believe we are that church at Laodicea where he says that you're lukewarm. I wish you were hot or cold. But he said, I'm going to spit you out of my mouth because you're lukewarm. You're somewhere in between. You become apathetic and your relationship with me needs to be rebuilt and revitalized. And that's what I want to talk about today. The first thing here when we see what happened with the people is the procrastination of God's people. Procrastination means to delay or postpone something. One lady says this. Procrastination is my sin. It brings me nothing but sorrow. I know that I should stop it. In fact, I will tomorrow. <laughs> That's the way we are. I procrastinate, and you know what happens when that happens? And something doesn't get done that either my wife wants me to do or else God wants me to do or somebody else wants me to do. You procrastinate here. And I know some people who procrastinate about procrastinating. And when it came to the Lord's work, Israel was guilty of procrastination. And so we see here the task involved. The Jews had been delivered from captivity in Babylon. They were allowed by Cyrus to return to Israel. And when they arrived, there was much work to be done. But what did they do? They didn't work on the house of the Lord. They began to build their own houses there. Many of our inactive and idle brethren are not necessarily opposed to the Lord's work. In fact, many of them have every intention of one day dedicating themselves to serving the Lord and contributing to the furtherance of His kingdom, but they put off their service to their master while living their lives for themselves. What we're speaking of here is their priorities are all out of whack. Many people today wait and say, Oh, I'll go to church when it, when at Christmas time or, or Easter or any time like that. I'll, I'll, I'll do that. But yet... They wait and they procrastinate. Oh, I'll go someday. And I'll, I, I believe in God and all that. And all those religious folks over there, they're all a bunch of hypocrites anyway. That's what they say. And so they begin to rationalize. They begin to justify the fact of reason why they've abandoned the church. They've abandoned what God wants and they don't grow in their relationship. They don't learn the word of God. They don't study. And they don't, obviously, they're not filled with the presence of the Lord. Many today are like that. Abraham Lincoln said this, You cannot escape the responsibility of tomorrow by evading it today. If God has called us to a specific task and you refuse to procrastinate, there will be consequences. Y'all remember when I resigned from hospice and I felt the Lord the urgency to get back in and pastor and shepherd a church to teach and equip the saints. Y'all remember that, that sense of urgency was in my heart. And let me tell you today, when I reflect upon that, that sense of urgency is still in my heart. What does it mean? I believe that time is short and we cannot no longer procrastinate and continue to put things off till tomorrow. We have to do it. While the day is the day, we need to get out and do what God's called us to do. Because there was the trouble involved. He says here, you've sown much, you bring in little, you eat. But it's not enough. You drink, but you're not filled with the drink. You clothe yourselves, and you're not warm, and you've earned wages, and yet the bag you put your wages in, there are holes in it. I heard again 
somebody say recently about that and a friend of mine and they prayed for their daughter and their daughter um, called and said you know at my age they said I know you and mama always told us to tithe as children you taught us how to tithe I never did really believe that and so you know my finances have been in a mess and scratched scambles just horrible and they said we began to tithe and everything came into place be obedient to the Lord don't procrastinate to the more what you can do today, what God's word tells you to do. If you know in your heart of hearts, you see, I will be held accountable for the knowledge that I have. And that knowledge, if I've walked away from it, and that truth, I will be held accountable for that. And so will you. We are to follow the Lord and do what he says because God confronts his people. He references the fact that they planted new Many crops, and they harvested very little there. Their money disappeared. And what does he say? Consider your ways. Think about it. Stop and let us reason together in the book of Isaiah. Let us reason together. Come now, and let's talk about it. Sit down and listen to my word here. You see, when you procrastinate concerning your responsibilities for the Lord, there'll be a steep price to pay. Many times Christian people will face extreme difficulty of place the blame on, in the wrong place here. Trouble comes and they say, boy, the devil sure is after me today. And yet it's God who's chasing them. You see, God will discipline us. We know that in Hebrews chapter 12. He says he will. And so often we say, well, the devil did this and that. No, God may himself be disciplined you and me because we're not obedient to his word. Because he wants us to be corrected, just like we correct our children today. He knows what's best here. And I believe we're being disciplined by God here in this country, to be honest with you. The debt of $19 trillion plus dollars. The way people responding to candidates even now, it's almost like they're worshiping the people, just like what we've seen in the past. They're beginning to put their trust in people and not in God. Only a movement of God's Spirit can change their hearts and bring them back to true worship of the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. And if He punished Israel, then He'll do the same to us. The goal of the Father is to get us to realize that we're not doing what He's called us to do. And perhaps God has given us a wake-up call in our lives individually here. Because maybe something that God's told you to do in the past and you haven't stepped out in faith. You haven't risked for Him. You haven't stepped out in faith there. I want to tell you, I encourage you to step out immediately and don't procrastinate any longer. The second thing here is the third thing. The prescription for God's people. In verses 8 and 9, when you have a problem concerning your physical health, you go to the doctor, he identifies a problem, and then, many times, he'll give a prescription for it, won't he? To take care of it and cure it there. And God identified what was going on there. And so we are to hear God's warning. When we see everything around us falling apart, we need to repent. And we need to turn back and consider our ways. Because God warned Israel about the trouble that they were facing and what was to come if they failed to repent. And he says he blew it all away. Even the things that they, they did produce, he blew it away. He took away their wages. And we are so stuck on our money, although I know money is needed today. 
Money has become an idol, and we love that money. We are to trust our Lord. God will provide for us if we put our faith and trust in Jesus. He will take care of us. If He can't, then who will? You can't take care of yourself. We've proven that because we've worked hard. And we see we have little to show for it because we wander away from the priorities, just like the people here that Agai is prophesying to. There are many people today who ignore God when things are going good. But when trouble comes and tragedy strikes, He is the one that they run to. There are three main areas in life that people regularly put their trust in. And that, number one is their professions. Their possessions and people. People choose a career. They say, oh, I only have one day to rest and I need to stay home on Sunday. I don't want to go to church. You, want to, you really want me tired out? Then I can't do it. Why? Because I have my profession. I want my day off. I want to go to Kima. I want to ride out into the bay in my big yacht. Okay? Anybody here got a yacht? Don't raise your hand. But if you do, tell me at the door because I want to get on it one day. Okay? I want to go out in the bay with you. Not on Sunday. But we've got our priorities out of place here. And I believe that God is saying he's going to remove those things. He's going to discipline us if we don't get our priorities right. In Revelation chapter 3, As many as I love, I rebuke and chasten. Be zealous, therefore, and repent. We need to heed God's warning. He said, go get the wood. Realize your error and start building my house there. Go up to the hills and bring down the temper, timber and rebuild my house here. Heed God's warning. I believe God has given a warning to this country called the United States of America. I believe there are warnings all the time in this country today. I believe today that God is raising up people to sound forth the warning across this land. There are many people, even I talk to them, and I believe sometimes, with all respect, they've got their heads in the sand because they go, oh, well, things are getting better. You know, uh, unemployment is whatever, 5.5% or whatever, and there are 96 to 100 million people that are out of work have given up from their work. They no longer even try because there's no jobs out there, and the jobs that are out there are lower-paying jobs and so forth. And everything is stagnant. Our, 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 our progress as far as growing economically is as low as it's ever been. All these things today. It's because we've worked hard, and yet we have little to show for it because we know our priorities out of place. The third thing is the progress of God's people. They finally obeyed. They, start, they began to listen to the Lord. I believe people are speaking today that there, it is time. It is time. Do you believe it's time? I believe it's time. I believe it is time. I believe that God is doing something today as we listen to Him, as we go back and lean upon the Lord. Because... The Lord said, I'll send a word of encouragement if you'll do what I tell you to do. I am with you always, even to the end of the earth. Hebrews. It talks about Jesus said, I'll never leave you nor forsake you. We have the Lord with us. Have we forgotten that? Have we somehow turned away and just because of the battles of life? And because we know that obviously there are challenges every day. And because of the busyness, the, the, the stresses of this world. 
that we've forgotten that Jesus is with us and the power of His Spirit? Have we gotten off course and become apathetic because we've become too busy? Because we were just trying to make it through the day, just trying to get on that heavenly train, just trying to make it until Jesus comes back, and yet there's so much work to be done. And I'm not negating problems and challenges. I'm just saying we have got to get our priorities back in place. We've also got to enthusiastically work for the Lord, okay? Enthusiasm is intense, and it's eager enjoyment or interest. We cannot go out of here looking like we just chewed on a lemon. We've got to have a smile. We've got to have as much as we can, understanding the health challenges, have a little pep in our step, have a little pep in our spirit about it. The joy of the Lord is our strength. Something down deep has got to drive you and I. And that is certainly that the time may be coming, that we're looking for Jesus. And yet at the same time, we want to take all of those that God puts before us to heaven, to go to heaven today. There's so much work to be done. And we've got to be enthusiastic about it. I'm enthusiastic. What happens with me when I become on a plateau? is I realize I've strayed. I've realized something has captured my attention more than Jesus does when that happens. I realize the stresses of life, the strains of life, have come in and creeped in very subtly and taken that joy away from Jim Barclay's heart. And I bet you could say the same. But we are to be enthusiastic about what God is doing in the earth today. And this is why, at this time, they heard the prophets. And they stepped out and said, uh, it is time. It is time to rebuild the house of the Lord. You know, a lot of times people sit around and just wait for somebody else to do it. And once God got his people's attention, the leader stood up and began to lead. And a strange thing happened. Others began to follow. Then something amazingly happened. Work was accomplished. Progress was made. And the Lord was pleased. We labor collectively, just like what's been said here today. We are one in the bond of love. We labor collectively. I need you. I need you. I need the people of this church to rise up enthusiastically and labor collectively. Labor for the Lord. God is saying today, He's calling the church. And many of you today, I bet everybody here would say, Yes, we do need revival, Jim. I want to see people saved. I want to see backsliders restored. You want to see people mature spiritually. You want to see the church to grow, and you want to see the kingdom advance there. And I can assure you that none of these things will occur if everybody sits back and expects somebody else to do it. You're not in willing vessels. You're willing to let somebody else. And the reason being is because your relationship with Jesus is not where it needs to be. You drift away from why we're here on this earth. Simply put, what is the time for the body of Christ at this particular time of history? I believe, first of all, it's a time for unity. Unity and love trumps everything. It trumps everything. We know 1 Corinthians 13 talks about it. In Psalm 133, Behold how good and how pleasant it is for brethren to dwell together in unity. I am not talking about particular faith 
organizations out there that believe that anything goes and believing that obviously this is okay and everybody's going to heaven, you know, uh, this is just great and all this. No, I'm not talking about, I'm talking about the body of Christ coming together. I've always said that Sunday morning is the most segregated hour of the week. Is it not? It's the most, we got, we got, we need to come together. I love my black brothers and sisters in Christ. I love my brown brothers and sisters in Christ. I love my all other races and cultures, my brothers and sisters in Christ today. That's who I am. You got to know that. There's not prejudice. There's not racism in my heart. What's causing the problems today is racism. Because one believes that they're better than somebody else. No, indeed. I humble myself. And we come together as the body of Christ. Because when we get to heaven, your mansion may be right beside one of those that you didn't like down here on this earth. Okay? Get it right now. Get it right now. Unity. And the body of Christ coming together. When I was with hospice, I went in every race, every culture, every background. Many strong believers in in Christ. And there was a love when I came in and, and talked with them about Jesus and prayed with them today. That's the church house. That's what this place should be packed full of people today. Just coming in because we're human beings. Because we're people of God, called by His name, called out of darkness and into His marvelous light. That's who we are. Unity in the body of Christ, but also a time for the Holy Spirit, the fire. In Luke chapter 3, I indeed baptize you with water, but one mightier than I am that's coming, whose sandal straps are not worthy to loose, he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire fire we need a baptism of fire a fresh baptism of fire to burn off of our lives those things are not like jesus get rid of that flesh it stinks in the nostrils of our god get rid of self self righteousness self pride self doubt all of these things today we need the fire of the holy spirit to fall upon us And burn it off. And he will if you ask him. You ask him to give you a spirit of brokenness. He will. And we've got to be broken church. That's the spirit of God being ushered in. We need the spirit of the Lord. The other thing is time for repentance. 2 Peter chapter 3. The Lord is not slack concerning his promise. As some count slackness. But is long-suffering towards us, not willing that any should perish, but all should come to repentance. We need repentance. We need a contrite and broken spirit. And we also need holy zeal, passion. And not be casual about the things of God. We need to pray. Lift our hands and say, Jesus, I love you. I praise you. Come back. To our first love. And love him with all of our hearts. Mind, soul and strength.
It's time. It's time for the prodigals to come home. It's prime for those who have left the family, who are not in the church any longer to come back home. It's time. Kendra said it, a friend. Is it a friend of yours, Kendra? I talked to somebody yesterday, and they said, I was talking to my daughter, and she and her friend, she, at the end of the conversation, they said, Oh, Mom, by the way, myself and my friend have gotten back into church. We found a church. They're returning to the church. Remember, we talked about it, haven't we? It's time. Those prodigals that are away, those who've walked away from the things of God, it's time for them to come back home. It's time to lay your burdens down because revival is beginning to be sparked in the hearts of God's people. He begins in the church today. It's time. Amen. Amen. It's time, isn't it? I want to see the prodigals come back home. I want to see the children come back home. That's my heart. And I'm going to pray that way and I'm going to preach that way until God Almighty calls me home. I want to see the walls broken down to where the church comes together as the body of Christ. Because I believe it's time. I have a heart that I want to see people that have been out there that are hurting, that need the Lord and need His healing touch to come back home. And that's what we're seeing. And I'm hearing. <coughs> As watchmen on the wall, we're listening and we're seeing these things happen today. That's my one desire. And that is to love the Lord my God with all my heart, with all my soul, with all my strength. And to love my neighbor as myself. And I have a passion for souls. And I know this church does also. Because it's time. It's time that they come back home. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you for your word, your truth. We believe it's time. It's time for us to come together in unity, in the power of the Spirit of God, the zealousness for your house. As we pray, as we remain steadfast as your children, to see the church, the body of Christ, the bride, prepared for the groom, we ask you by your Spirit this day that you get us ready and give us a heart for souls. And dear God, that the children will come back home. The prodigals will return to the Father. We're asking you to do that in our time, Lord. All over the nations, all over the city, all over this world. We ask you, Father, that you would do this. In Jesus' name, amen.